0: Welcome to Mom in Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In this episode, we are going to be taking a closer look at what it's like to be a therapist going through your own perinatal mental health challenge. And really, very specifically, we're going to be talking about what it's like to be dealing with infertility as a therapist while you're being a therapist. Bridget Cross is coming on to share her story. She's a licensed clinical social worker, a certified perinatal mental health professional, and a mom of two daughters. She lives in Savannah, Georgia, and works in a private practice providing individual, family, and group therapy to new, hopeful, and expectant moms. She is also a volunteer coordinator for the Georgia chapter of Postpartum Support International and a member of the Maternal Mental Health Collective of Savannah. Bridge's passion is supporting women in all phases of life, but especially as they encounter and cope with the transition to motherhood. Some of the things specifically that she'll touch on is what it's like to work as a therapist with pregnant and postpartum moms when going through infertility, and what it was like to work with the perinatal population when going through her own pregnancy and postpartum period. I know this can affect quite a few of us who specialize. We are all still human, even though we are therapists. Yes, we can hold space and do a lot for people, even while we are dealing and suffering through our own things. So let's hear from Bridget. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you so
1: much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Kat.
0: Yeah, I would love to have you just start wherever you're comfortable with your story and we'll go from there.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I have two daughters. They are five and two. And before I had my first daughter, my partner and I tried and failed to get pregnant for about three and a half years. So we tried quite a bit on our own. We did. A bunch of IUIs, and then eventually landed on IVF. And we were hugely fortunate because we I got pregnant on our first try of IVF and had just really healthy, problem-free, kind of amazing pregnancy. So it was sort of like this reward mm-hmm. <laughs> after all of the things that we'd been through getting there. And then similarly, I also just felt really fortunate that I had like a pretty beautiful and perfect birth with my oldest daughter. It was really like everything that I wanted it to be. I felt fully supported and cared for by my partner and my doula and the medical team, my OB. And it was sort of like everything kind of unfolding basically as I'd always hoped um, after all this time going to get there. But then... (laughs) Pretty much right after, and I would say kind of starting during labor itself, I just became consumed with like crippling anxiety, Mm. anger, really intense kind of intrusive negative thoughts, Um, feeling just so panicked really about just the whole situation of feeling like, who is this baby? Who am I? What am I going to do? How am I going to take care of her? this was a total mistake, like really just feeling the intensity of like kind of remorse and terror about all of that. And that was obviously really disturbing to me. And I think I wrote it off at the time as just, you know, you're tired, you're exhausted, it's hormones, whatever. You know, everyone around me is kind of celebrating this, this victory. You know, everyone in my life had been really so supportive of our kind of, Fertility treatment process and my pregnancy, and you know, for every single person in my life, my partner and me included, you know, this was only supposed to be joyful and amazing and miraculous and a blessing and all of this. And the fact that pretty much from the moment they put around me, I felt kind of the opposite was just completely devastating to me on every level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I basically dealt with that by kind of pushing myself into total denial about it despite you know having worked as a mental health professional for you know almost 10 years at that point Mm -hmm. and despite you know everything that I knew about you know my own experiences of depression in the past and you know I I knew that postpartum depression was a thing I didn't really know that much about it but I Mm -hmm. I certainly knew that could be a possibility but I just couldn't face it Mm -hmm. I think I felt so much of you know what our clients feel, this kind of shame around it of you know, I'm a horrible mother if I feel this way, I'm a horrible woman. you know, look at everything I went through and I'm so ungrateful, and so many people didn't get to have the success that I did and mm-hmm. all of that shame. And then also a big piece of it that I think so many people who work as mental health clinicians feel, which is like, I should be better than this. Like I should be stronger than this. I know what's what. I work with mentally ill people. Um, I'm, you know, the therapist. <laughs> and I think that, you know, I, I on top of that, like, I've been in therapy for like a good chunk of my life, like what's right. wrong with me that I can't deal with this. And then too, you know, in my relationship with my partner, I kind of have that role of being sort of, you know, my partner is not a mental health professional. And in a lot of ways, I think in our relationship, I'm kind of the one who like knows what to do and the one who sort of takes care of people's feelings and has a sense of when things are going wrong emotionally, like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And the idea that I was really for the first time in my life in this space of complete, like, like fear and panic and not knowing what to do and feeling like everything is all wrong and I can't let anyone know. It yeah. was just like the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, you know, I think for the first few weeks, it, it showed up mainly as anxiety, I mean, intense sleep deprivation, and then anxiety, I had a lot of trouble breastfeeding, which is like mm-hmm. its own intense stress, yeah, right? Um, and then all the kind of, you know, consulting with a million different people about that and just kind of running myself ragged so that by the end of maybe the first month or so, I just was in like deep depression. I was mm. crying all day every day. I was not wanting to be with the baby, but also not wanting to let anyone hold her.
2: Right.
1: I like couldn't say that she was my daughter or that I was a mother. I kept doing that thing of saying the baby.
0: This podcast is supported by understood explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go. And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six, I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP? was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains.
3: on the air around Relatable Struggles.
1: And, yeah, just feeling terrible, having awful thoughts. I was self-harming. I was feeling suicidal. It was just awful. Couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. And really just not sharing any of it at all. And I started to really, like, withdraw. I completely withdrew from my partner. I stopped really talking with friends, going out. And I think because people, you know, are sort of busy with their own lives and have their own expectations of, you know, what the first few months with a baby should be, I think nobody was really noticing. And, you know, unfortunately, I think when my partner noticed, it was when it kind of got directed negatively toward him. Mm. So I kind of got to just hide out in that for a long time.
0: This is months at this time?
1: Months, yeah. And I had a lot of also just kind of external stressors at the time. I, mm-hmm. I had gone back to work briefly and then I was laid off and then oh. my partner's job was not working out. And then our housing situation was unstable. And then we moved, ended up moving to a new city in a new state that was very unfamiliar to me. I'm, I'm from New York City and I've lived there most of my life and we moved to Savannah, Georgia, which is oh, <laughs> sort of shock, shockingly different. And, you know, I don't know any, we didn't really know anyone here. And we moved here with when my daughter was about nine months. And so, oh, no. yeah, you know, it was like all of this had been just kind of bubbling and the external circumstances also, I think, kind of exacerbated it, but also kind of covered it up because I could oh, say, right, well, I'm, right. just, I'm just stressed out because I'm not uh-huh. working. I'm just yeah. stressed out because we're moving. and you know we're we're fighting a lot cuz you know we have to pack and mm-hmm. we live in a studio apartment like you know it was a lot of that um totally. and i think yeah i think once we moved it was sort of like really facing it of like okay this is this is not good and something's got to change with me mm-hmm. um so a big piece of that for me was going back to work so i started building a small private practice here in Savannah, just kind of general adult mental health, which is what I'd been doing before in New York. And for the first time, got a babysitter. You know, I'd never left my daughter for more than maybe like an hour to go out to the store. So, so this is, yeah. Sorry,
0: this is like, uh, you moved after nine months after she was nine
2: months? I
1: moved around nine months, yeah. Uh-huh. So it was kind of starting between, say, like nine months and a year was like oh, when okay. I to get back to work, yeah. Right,
2: right.
1: So, like, finally being able to, like, get some space from her and go to yoga again and do some things that felt like, oh, right, these are these things that I like to do. Mm -hmm. That obviously helped a lot. But then maybe a little bit after she turned a year, maybe 13, 14 months or so, I decided to start doing some training in perinatal mental health. So I signed up for the PSI training that was online. Mm -hmm. It's like an eight week long course or something. And, you know, it's funny, like looking back at it, because, you know, it, it obviously was something that interested me. But I really think that I was pursuing that, mm-hmm. like to learn how to support and treat women who were going through perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, mm-hmm. because I I needed that too. <laughs>
0: at, at that point when you started pursuing that training was it clear to you that that's what you were dealing
1: with I think it really I think it was more clear but I remember sitting in my kitchen listening to the first session Um, you know it's like a two-hour long session or something I think it was mm-hmm. Wendy Davis from PSI presenting just kind of giving an overview and just sitting there and like weeping. Uh-huh. Just yeah. like total, like, it, like sorrow and like grief, yeah. <laughs> but also like total relief and recognition. Oh my life. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> of like, I just like, I kind of realized that like on some level, you know, I've known, but like, I haven't given myself permission <sighs> to like name it or experience it really. And so having it within this context of like, this is a professional training. It's like something that's kind of speaking to my like professional self, Mm -hmm. but also is so deeply personal in a way that I've never felt before. And it was like a whole world exploded to me. Yeah. (laughs) And I just, I remember thinking like, you know, I had thought this was a training I'll take. And, you know, I'm sure I'll see some pregnant women or postpartum women sometime because I had already and it seemed Mm -hmm. like a good skill to have. But it was through doing that that I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is going to be like my focus. And I remember talking to a friend of mine who's a therapist about it. And she was like, don't you think it's going to be hard though to, you know, see women who like have been through infertility or who are doing IVF or who have had postpartum depression or relationship problems because of postpartum depression, like, is not going to be really hard for you because it's so close. And I remember thinking, like, yeah, it might be really hard. I think I just have to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, that over that next year or so, after that first training, I I kind of just like became a sponge and like read everything I could read and like did all the trainings and read all the Karen Kleinman and you know read all the research and the blogs and things and just sort of immersed myself in it and Kind of. Meanwhile, continuing to build my practice here in Savannah, and eventually, I then decided to have another baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and if I can, friend. if I can
0: ask yeah. some questions yeah. about your sure. your initial experience, was there anybody asking you how you were doing? Mm-hmm. Really, like medical providers, um, you know, anybody yeah. that you had contact with?
1: I did go to my six week checkup and met with nurse practitioner at my OB's office that you know I had known and really liked um and she did screen me I think she did I think she did talk to me in pretty great detail about how I was feeling and I was a mess and I remember feeling really ashamed and Mm -hmm. wanting to fill out my screening honestly because I knew like I knew what the score should be so I just made it that yeah And then, you know, it was at that point, you know, you're six weeks in, someone asks you how you're feeling, you kind of burst into tears because you Mm -hmm. can't not. And I think I just, again, I just really covered up. I was like, it's the breastfeeding. It's the breastfeeding. I'm just Uh tired. It's the breastfeeding. I think she too, she was very supportive and understanding, you know, she gave me time. She did listen. She did ask questions, which I now know is not the case a lot of the time. Right. So I do feel glad that she did and fortunate that she did. But I think she also knew that I was a mental health professional.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it was kind of like, well, you're good. You know, yeah. you'll tell me if you're not good.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what I was curious about and that I've been hearing and seeing more often is that there's an assumption too, like it's a little bit double-sided for us that as a mental health professional, even though people don't really want to talk about their mental health, if we're dealing with something, people assume that we've got it.
1: Yeah, you've got it. Like, you you know what it looks like when it's not okay. So right. like, I'll take your lead mm-hmm, on it.
0: Mm-hmm, and
1: mm-hmm. I think for me, as I think like for many people who go into this field, that's kind of like my role in a lot of my <laughs> relationships mm-hmm. is like, mm-hmm. you've got it. You'll let me know if you need help. And I'm like, sure. But then I don't right. actually right. let you know. Right. right. Yeah. Yep. So there wasn't anyone necessarily saying like, No you're not okay. Or even just like, I can tell you're not okay. Like, can you tell me more honestly what's Mm -hmm. going on? Mm -hmm. I think the closest person who was doing that was my partner who was certainly aware that I wasn't okay. And I think very disturbed by it. Mm -hmm. But I think because he was also struggling with that and just with the adjustment, I kind of wanted to like protect him How awful I was feeling, and so it was just like, no, I'll be fine. Like, I got this. You know, I just need to sleep more. Mm -hmm. The first year is always hard. You know, this kind of stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's really common too. Like protecting the partner. If if you're like you can kind of secretly know something's not quite right, but it's hard to admit to yourself and admit to other people. And what are they gonna think?
1: Right, and I think oh, no. you know, since I'm the one who's kind of supposed to know like mm-hmm. I know how to deal with stuff, mm-hmm. what does he do then if I'm like, you know when I'm gonna fall apart? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think you know, I know a little better now that he can handle it in a way that I did not know then. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's it's hard
0: it is it <laughs> is, but I think it's also hard to imagine that anybody else could handle something that feels so horrible to you
1: right cuz like i couldn't handle it so right. I couldn't, and i can handle a lot so like why right. could anyone else handle it yeah
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's hard especially when you're depressed and anxious and your thoughts aren't specifically like rational or
1: totally. yeah yeah and too that thing that you know i know we see clients do all the time of like rationalizing you know like mm-hmm. i have it so great i had the best birth mm-hmm. i have the best baby she's healthy and i have my family's here and my partner loves me. And you know, why? I, I right. what do I have to complain about? You know, that whole just toxic narrative.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's really yeah. rough. Yeah. That is really rough. So, okay. Thank you. Yeah. I was curious about those dynamics, but that, that makes a lot of sense and, and sounds similar to my experience in some mm-hmm. ways too. And what I hear a lot of other therapists struggle with is that, that mm-hmm. feeling of like, I'm supposed to know, It's really, really hard. So you're what? Your daughter's how old before you go to have a second?
1: She was about two when I got pregnant with my second. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was right after she turned two. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was, you know, and I also had my second by IVF a lot easier this time. And again, hugely fortunate that it worked right away. Mm -hmm. And also had, you know, a problem-free pregnancy and like, beautiful, amazing birth with her. I feel like I just won the lottery in that department both times. Right. And I, you know, in that time I was working a lot, I was starting to see a lot more perinatal clients, you know, again, kind of like really trying to just like study up and like learn as much as I could, mm-hmm. you know, go to the PSI conference and try to meet people online and, you know, doing consultation groups about specifically this. So kind of really like filling my cup
2: in that mm-hmm. way.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, my oldest daughter was in preschool. So it was like kind of getting some separation from her. I was feeling much more just myself, who I always was. And, you know, I pretty much bet on the fact that I would be depressed again the second time. (laughs) I kind of knew that that would happen. I did feel somewhat depressed during the pregnancy, but it was pretty manageable. But it just was really different. You know, I came to the second postpartum period with a lot more information and just a lot more kind of validation in myself for yeah. like what was normal. And I think part of that's just that it's the second time. And it's like, you kind of just know, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to feel totally crazy for a little bit. And I'm going to feel out of control in this way. And breastfeeding is going to be hard in this way. And so maybe like, I and so I did Struggle quite a bit after she was born, just adjusting. We were actually moving again, which was oh. crazy timing. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> just to a new house, but still a move. And I maybe like three or four weeks in, just started was like, I don't feel good. So I just called my midwife, who I was pretty close with, and she and I had talked through my pregnancy a lot about my first experience, and I'd mm-hmm. said, you know, pretty much anticipating I'll be depressed. So she was also very much like following my lead, but I think this time my lead felt like more confident and so I just mm-hmm. called her and I was like I'm gonna need some soul left and she was mm-hmm. like great okay got started on that that helped quite a bit started seeing a therapist who I still see who's just been completely amazing and went back to work right away and that was a huge huge part of it so I mean by right away I mean around I think 10 or 12 weeks I went back to work mm-hmm. and where that had felt so hard the first time I think this time it was hard you know it felt sad. I was missing my baby, but I was also like, I need this more than anything that I need. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And at that time, I was kind of going back to a practice that was pretty much starting to be not completely, but maybe like half to three quarters focused in maternal mental health. So I wouldn't say that by the time I went back to work, I was necessarily struggling with postpartum depression, but it was close enough. It was fresh enough to really be very present and I just feel like since then, so last two and a half years or so, you know, I've really continued to just be very focused in this field and in my community too, worked to try to connect with a lot of other providers. I was the only therapist in Savannah who had this training before. Now oh. I have a couple other therapists who've since gotten training that I work really closely with and they're incredible. And
4: oh that's great. I feel
1: like yeah, I feel like we're trying to do just like a lot of Savannah has got a long way to go in this department, but um, just trying to do like a lot of outreach to different community providers and educating people and informing people and just trying to like talk about this stuff more. Yeah. And I'm an advocate that, real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I'd say that that paired with just doing therapy with pregnant and postpartum women almost every day has been just so hugely healing to me right just on every level and I think sometimes with that friend of mine who you know asked is this going to be really hard for you and I feel like I didn't wouldn't have known but actually it has been like so much the opposite like of course it's hard but to be able to kind of sit with women who are like speaking to so many of the experiences or feelings or thoughts that I had or even kind of sound similar Mm. but they're you know having the courage To show up and sit on the couch and talk about it and Mm -hmm. help themselves get better and do all this work for themselves and their families, like, is just unbelievably inspiring to me. So, it's ended up being the perfect thing for me (laughs) in that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. It's so nice to be able to see people go through their own healing process when, especially when you know Mm -hmm. they can feel better and they don't know that yet. Mm -hmm. It's really, really cool. So while this is super healing on a lot of levels, I'm sure, um, like you had mentioned, there were some difficult parts. Um, I think for, you know, all the other therapists who are also getting into this field after going through this themselves, it could probably really resonate with the ways that it's difficult too. So if you wouldn't mind talking about some of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, obviously anything that like we can connect to in our clients, you know, stories of pain or suffering, like anything that sort of echoes things that we've been through just can be sort of triggering, you know, like I think there have been times, especially, especially working with women who are dealing with infertility, when they're unable to have a successful full term pregnancy has been just really painful, just deeply painful. And I feel like it would kind of feel when I was sitting in session with people going through these things. It would almost feel as though it was sort of putting me back in that space that was just a place that it was just like a place that I never want to go again. And so, you know, trying to, you know, as we do as therapists, locate our compassion, our empathy, try to kind of like read our own feelings as a way of supporting the client's feelings. It was just very challenging for me. And I think I would feel some kind of almost like I'd create some distance between the client and me. To like almost compensate for that. I don't know that that was necessarily something that the client could perceive or pick up on, but it just didn't feel good to me because it's just not how I work. Mm -hmm. And then later, I think dealing with people who were acutely postpartum, I think one thing that would, it still is very challenging for me is I get really angry. Mm -hmm. I get really angry about their situations. Yeah. I get really angry about the lack of support, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's their family or their partner or their providers or whatever. I get real mad real fast about yeah. it, I, and I realize, you know, it's warranted a lot of the time. Totally. But I also realize that it's a lot of the anger that I still have about what it was like for me. Yes, ma'am. And yeah, like I just still feel really angry. I think, you know, I feel loads better. I feel really good. In fact about where I am just as a professional, as a mom, um, as a maternal mental health provider, all of it. But if I think too deeply about just kind of like a lot of the details around my postpartum period in particular, I just get really angry. So mm-hmm. I think on, on the one hand, it's it's useful because I think it helps me connect with my clients. But mm-hmm. I think it's also been really challenging to kind of know how to keep that in check to just be with clients where they're at. because.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: they might not be angry right they might be grieving they might be actually in that space of denial like I was they might mm-hmm. be anxious and my anger isn't it sometimes is useful sometimes it's not going to be right and mm-hmm. so I think that's just been hard to grapple with and then just kind of knowing you know after they leave and I'm kind of left with it and going about my life like how do I deal with that anger where do I put it because I mean, there's just a lot to be angry about in the world, obviously, but in this work, especially, it just really yeah. touches on a lot. And so I have to kind of constantly try to keep, keep in check to like a sense of hopelessness or hopelessness, because okay. it's very easy to feel that way, especially just in terms of what's available to women in this community that I live in.
0: Sure. Right. You're holding those sort of like community and global perspectives at the same time that you're sitting with somebody in their kind of, not to say individual pain, but um, Mm -hmm. the the pain that one person is talking about in that moment.
1: Right, totally. I think, you know, that's the thing is like, just sort of recognizing that we can only be with like one person or family at a time, you know, we can do all these other larger things. But like, when it comes down to it, we just have to be with that person and what their experience is. I think that can be just hard to hold on to when the anger and also the grief comes into play Mm -hmm. and don't know that I feel like that you know as acutely about other things that are not maternal mental it's like oh sure this is really like the main kind of triggery passion for me so yeah I love
0: that (laughs) I love that on so many (laughs) levels and can fully resonate with it too
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I get angry too Yeah. yeah It's uh. I mean and and like I believe in anger, like I think anger's actually really useful, and a lot of times with clients, you know they'll come in and they're like, "I'm just so angry about all of this, and I don't want to be, and I'm angry at my partner and my baby and my doctor and my mom, and you know, I get it, like anger feels awful, but it's like really important to work with it, I think,
4: right, yeah, yeah.
0: I'm really grateful that you're talking about this from the therapist's perspective, in part because there are so many of us as therapists in this particular field who have gone through their own stuff to get them to the point of specializing. So, you know, loads of us are out there also still doing therapy with people who are in pain. And sometimes we are in our own pain and in our own recovery as we're helping others. And that it is hard to balance that. It, it is a challenge to figure out like what's mine and what's theirs. But like for the people who aren't therapists who are listening, like that's our job. That's our job to know right. what's ours and what's yours. And we can still hold both, which yeah. I think is what's so beautiful about, you know, when therapy's done well, we are getting our own support. Oftentimes, you know, therapists go to therapy, newsflash, right? And we're getting our they own... They should. They should. Well, yeah. hey. <laughs> Like yeah, that's a whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but right. Yeah. Um, we're still human, but right. part of the work that we do is to hold both, is to mm-hmm. to be able to recognize that we may have some stuff that comes up in relation to our clients. But you explained it so beautifully that, you know, how, how you manage that is part of the work.
1: Totally. I mean, I think that's part of our jobs, right, mm-hmm. is to take care of that so that we can show up for other people.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and some days are hard
1: totally just are hard I also you know like I think in a lot of ways since working in this field and with this population like it's obviously kind of filled me up and fed me so much just personally right but I also feel like because of my own experience and just you know the different paths that's taken me down like I actually really feel like it's made me a better therapist Mm -hmm. just generally yeah because I've had to kind of grapple with some of these grapple with myself really and my my own blocks and demons and all of that. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, right. I think it's true that if you've gone through it, you can show up in a different way, in a deeper way, even if the client isn't specifically, you know, you're not telling them all about your own story really, Right. unless it's clinically appropriate. Sometimes that does Mm -hmm. come out, but you get it in a way that, you know, that people who aren't in the specialty don't. Totally. Yeah. E- even if you're in the specialty and you haven't gone through it yourself, if you have like a, you know enough training and you've heard enough stories, you can also understand this in a way that other people don't, other therapists don't.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, and too, I mean, I could just go down the whole road of, you know, the things, not to say that all therapists who don't have this training are not, equipped to handle this population, but I just have heard from clients so many of the well-intentioned but really damaging things that they've heard mm-hmm. from other therapists when who don't have this training mm-hmm. when they go to them for support around perinatal issues. It's just really
0: right. scary. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it a lot. and And I will say it's <laughs> people who want to help this population should have specialized training. But because same for the same reason I, I just heard you say it's it does more damage and also I mean I like me personally this is actually like a soapbox issue but we won't mm. get into all of it today I wouldn't treat addiction because that's not what I have training in exactly. it's, that's just I, I think it's just professionally really valuable and necessary to have adequate training so yeah I'll agree and with so, you
1: yeah and I too I just think you know The training, obviously, like enhances our clinical work, but I just feel like it's helped. I mean, you know, like I'm saying, it's just helped me so much in terms of understanding just all the kind of
5: many aspects of motherhood that I never would have understood or anticipated.
4: I know that raising a Differently Wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
0: Oh, sure. Sure. And even though your specific experience might not be the same as all of the clients that you are helping because of your personal experience and additionally your training, you get it on so many levels. And if I might say we are connected to a, just a phenomenal group of people who also specialize, but like within the specialty, there are so many specialties so we can consult right. people all the time as needed.
1: Yeah. 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 I'm, I've, I mean that community of perinatal providers though so and connected through most of you just through the internet has mm-hmm. been like also just hugely helpful to me I mean professionally and personally mm-hmm. partly because I felt very isolated where I am in my city so it's been just a great connection to have
0: yeah I mean when I sometimes when I think about the one individual client like you said that you're helping at a time they're being supported by you or by any other trained therapist. And then that therapist is connected to support and there's Mm. this whole network and it just funnels down so beautifully into, you know, helping the individual because we have, we have adequate support. Well, Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't, but we do have a lot of support resources available to us.
1: Totally. It's so true. And I feel like I've really benefited from that so much here. And also because I will say, Georgia's chapter of PSI is so awesome and really kind of robust and active and early on when I first started they're mostly based in Atlanta so not too close to me but when I first started training I connected with went to some trainings with them and that group of women who's gotten that chapter really up and running amazingly has just been like such a huge source of support for me Oh, that's great. That's been great.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic. I think we're all a little bit angry and that probably (laughs) helps. (laughs)
1: Yes, it does. I think it helps to just be around people who get it, you know, who get get why we should all be raging.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're angry, but we're also super compassionate and (laughs) And
1: patient and Uh all that.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say to the therapist who is going through this right now and potentially specializing in this area as well? What would you say to them in terms of, you know, what helped you get through or hopeful messages for them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, like, at the core of it is just to try to prioritize taking care of self. And, you know, by that, I don't mean like self care in terms of like, getting massages or something. But like, really really taking care of just your feelings and what you're going through. I think that even though there can be a lot to be gained from working with this population if you're going through it, I also just feel like it's really important, you know, for all of us to always be like checking our boundaries and noticing if there are particular types of presenting issues say that are like just too much. You know, like I I have a colleague who has a history of a lot of pregnancy loss and is still planning to continue to try to have children and i know that she has felt like working with pregnancy loss is probably going to be too much for me right now right right um, so and that's great you know that's a totally fair and i think very important choice to make and so i think just knowing that you don't have to extend yourself in any way that's actually going to harm you more and that you can listen to yourself in that way to know like I need to step away from this, or I need to kind of get more education around this other issue that's going to help me feel more empowered, but just to really listen to yourself in that way, rather than those ideas that we all have of like, what we should be doing as a therapist, or what we should be doing as a mom, or what we should be doing as a maternal mental health therapist. Mm -hmm. You know, it's obviously like all so individual. Mm -hmm that I just think that's really important to listen to. And then I think the other big piece of it is just to try to get as connected as possible with the perinatal mental health community, um, either with your local PSI chapter or group or just with the larger organization or going to the conference or getting on the consultation call or doing a training, just anything that will connect you with other providers who most likely get it and who have been through it. That's a huge
0: thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All of that is just gold. I hope people who are suffering right now or going through it right now can really hear you. I love what you're saying about the boundaries and and surrounding yourself with people who get it. That is extremely important. And as you were talking, you reminded me that there is a PMAD support for psychotherapists Facebook group that's closed and just for therapists um, who are going through this. So that is another option.
1: It's a great. Support group and just resource for people.
0: That right. group. Thank you so much, Bridget, for coming on and sharing your story and your path and your wisdom with us. I know that so many people will hear this and feel heard by you.
1: Thank you so much, Emily. I feel so honored to be here with you. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much again, Bridget, for coming on. This is a difficult topic for some people to talk about, but for those of us who are happy to talk about it. It is very useful for us in the field to hear about other people who are going through their own challenges. If you'd like to get connected to Bridget, find her at BridgetCrossLCSW.com or on Facebook. And you can also go to Listentomoms.org. Take care, everybody out there. Stay safe. And until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com.
4: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together, we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood.
5: Margaret, I would say you're sort of
4: a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs)